0: Welcome to a new episode of Devotional. We are starting a brand new lesson for October the 3rd, and this is lesson number one. I am really happy I'm doing this. It's been a great blessing for me to grow in my Christian journey, especially with this focus on unity. And this week's lesson is very special. We're actually going to be focusing on Jesus's prayer um, the title of the, the whole lesson for the week is that they all may be one. Um, as I've said in previous episodes, um, I want to encourage you to to, uh, <laughs> to subscribe. <laughs> Can I get it out there? I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you should see a button somewhere. Um, that way, every time a new day lesson is published, you're notified and um, I told you I've tried to um, post this on Facebook and Twitter and other uh, social media to just alert people that a new episode is available but sometimes I get busy and I forget this way um, even if I forget to do that you are we will still be notified and all of that is going to be below or around the the podcast is in iTunes that's the only one that I'm familiar with Um, usually is um to the right of the logo. Um, below it, you also see links. Um, if you don't have the lesson with you, uh, wherever you may be listening, you can have the access to the lesson right now via those links, either web browser or the apps. They're free, completely free. And I want to do um, highlight that I'm, I'm adding a new link that I think will also bless you. Now, this link is not one you will listen to, but actually watch as well. And there are links that our church puts together about the mission field. Um, At the end of this quarter, in December, we will be sending money to the Asia part of the world, uh, the the countries in, in Asia. Uh, I've mentioned to you some of them already, Um, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia, those are some of the few, Uh, Bangladesh, uh, to help our churches that are there, um, establish hospitals, schools, etc. And some of the videos highlight those parts of the world. They're actually on location, looking at the very people that our offerings will be helping which I think is exciting. So I've added those links as well that you can take advantage. Um, And if you've been blessed with these, um, share them. Share them either with friends or family via social media or just send them a text. Uh, That way other people can also be encouraged by what God is doing in our church, through our church, and of course, in our personal lives. So we're starting with the first lesson. And the memory verse is found in John 17 through 21. And it's the heart of this prayer where Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, meaning the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me today. Jesus prays for you and me. That's amazing. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me beautiful lesson that we're going to be stepping into this week and in the, in the middle paragraph there is a quote by uh, dr bruce uh, from his book the gospel of john and there is a two word the same word that is mentioned twice there in the first sent- sentence it says it is a fitting designation for our lord in this prayer consecrates himself And later on, it speaks about that at the same time, it is a prayer of consecration on behalf of those whom the sacrifice is offered. And I'm not going to speak just of what is said. I'll leave that to you to go back and read and dissect what that sentence actually, that paragraph is saying. But I'm going to focus on the word consecrate. Because we read it and we may think it means something, but it may be nebulous for some of us. Um, it's a composite word consecrate the first part is con or con in <laughs> sacred it comes from the latin word sacra and uh, it's two words with holiness that's what it means um, for holiness and so in this context is something that is being done with the intent of making it holy and what is holy um, that is another word, nebulous words, right? When uh, we use it, we are, you know, the, ho- the Sabbath's holy. Well, what does that mean? Does it, is the sun brighter on that day? The birds sing louder? No, sometimes it's very rainy and cold. Um, so what does it mean that something is holy? It means that it's been set aside. The Sabbath, uh, out of all the days of the week, was set aside for a divine purpose, for a blessing purpose. And so, when jesus consecrates himself he sets himself apart so that he can be a blessing so that he can be used as a tremendous blessing for the world and of course the context is his sacrifice on the cross but we are also called to consecrate ourselves Uh, there's also a a call for us to make ourselves holy for the lord and we have uh, many misconstrued ideas sometimes is the church's fault because we have not uh, and I take uh, ownership of that I we don't clarify some of these terms and we may be allowing things from the past or generational th- uh, ways of looking at holiness to permeate our thinking It happened to me when I grew up my, my mom's side of the family was Catholic my dad's side of the family was Pentecostal and for me holiness you know we're the saints because the Spanish, that the word is not different you know it's the same latin word root so when something is holy and a saint is the same word and for me the holy people when i would see them all had halos in their heads and i have yet to find a picture a painting you know from the byzantine era from you know centuries ago i have yet to find a painting of a saint smiling So to me, holiness was the absence of a smile, the absence of joy and happiness. And some of us may think of that. And so when the Bible says, be ye holy, man, you know, and I was just starting to enjoy life. Well, by no means is holiness the absence of. In reality, it is the way to maintain and sustain a smile, not just in our faces, but in our hearts as well. So holiness is not something morose or somber. Holiness is a conscious decision to allow myself to be set apart from to become a blessing. That's what Jesus did. He set himself apart so that he could become a blessing. Just like the Sabbath set apart, it is a blessing. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for you and me as a blessing of rest, of reconnecting, of recharging our energies, not simply by taking a nap, but coming and being in the unhindered Uh, presence of the Lord with no secular interest to distract our minds what a joy I want to look at two verses though in regards to this idea of being separate Um, 2nd Corinthians chapter 16 verse 17 Paul says therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you um, this is the part where many individuals see, say, well, there you go. See, there you go. That's the verse. Those are the verses that take away my happiness. Well, I guess it does if being happy for you means being unclean. If, if it means being polluted. This morning, I, I shared with the kids in, the, in our school for morning worship about a uniform that we used to have to wear in Argentina. And it was a, a white lab coat. I don't know what, what else to call it, but that's what it basically was. It was a little white lab coat that all the students wore to school. And in Spanish, the actual name for it would translate as the dust protector, um, guarda polvo. And for, for it, its purpose, you know, it was to keep your clothing underneath from gathering dust. <laughs> I don't know why they chose white. Out of all the colors, especially for boys in first to fifth grade, white is not the best color to protect them from dust. Um, I may not have a dusty, you know, guarda polvo. I may not have a dusty white lab coat, but boy, was it grimy with mud and all sorts of other things. So be separate um, means be clean, be spotless. Don't let the pollution get to you. You know, I, I live in, near the Detroit area. And there are areas that when I drive with my wife, we've driven through, through the areas that uh, they have oil refineries, you know, for um, gasoline. The air smells different there. You know, a couple of years ago in, in Detroit, Flint, a city north of us, had issues with the water being polluted, you, I'm sure you have heard of that in the news, uh, with heavy metals, with lead. And uh, where we lived for a while, close to the airport, sometimes in the summer, when the wind was just right, from every window in our home would enter the smell of the diesel from the airplanes at the airport. Pollution. And the Bible says, you know, the, Paul tells us in the Bible, be separate, do not be unclean, There's nothing we can do about that. We live in a world that you go up north, you go up here, you go everywhere. You're bound to find something that, you know, hinders the quality of life on the planet. Our planet is cursed with sin. Um, Heaven will not be found until Jesus comes. But the Bible is not telling us avoid, you know, this kind of pollution because it's unavoidable. And of course, it doesn't say uh, you shouldn't try at least. But the focus is soul pollution, spiritual pollution. Be separate from that. Because it's one thing to have, you know, not, not the best air around you. There's nothing you can do about that. But you can do something about your soul pollution. Those are there because of choice. And Paul's appeal is to come out from among them. Who is them, right? Right. I want to look at another verse. Um, James chapter 4, verse 4. Where we read this. Um, James 4, 4 says, You adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Be separate. My, My mom would tell us that. My brother and I, when we had, we would bring home a new friend in high school or junior high Oh, meet this so-and-so, meet so-and-so. And And my parents would look at the individual, especially my mom. She could read and she would say, be ye separate. (laughs) Why are you hanging out with this kid? He's skipping class. Why are you hanging out with this kid? He smokes. Both my parents used to smoke. They could see, they could recognize the things that these kids were doing. And my parents, uh, of course, your friends influence you. And unfortunately, it doesn't usually go the other way around where now they're praying because we pray. Usually goes the other way around in which we get curious about the things that if you've been raised in a Christian home, you're curious. What does it feel to do this? And what about that? And my friends listens to this and they watch that. And a lot of times the influence goes the other way. And my parents knew that. And so when the Bible tells us to be separate, it tells us to be cautious where we establish our friendships. It doesn't mean to be isolate and unfriendly and and mean, but there's a difference. And friendship is a very special word in the Bible. Jesus doesn't use it lightly. Jesus called his disciples friends because there was transparency investment emotional investment in each other Jesus invested emotionally in his disciples in the Bible in the Gospel of John it tells us that he loved his own to the very end there was deep commitment in, in this so Jesus did not would not have you know 500 friends in Facebook because he wouldn't want to water down what that word means and our society has done that Friend to us really means someone that I vaguely know an acquaintance but in the Bible friendship friend that word is reserved for something more more intense more committed more invested in and this that's the language of James don't you know that friendship with the world and it's not people it's the world. Which needs, you know, a little bit more of maybe clarification. Because we may think, you know, this this is talking about people. And it's not talking necessarily about people, but things that are out there. In John chapter 2, verse 15, it tells us, do not love, do not love the world. There's that loaded, heavy word, emotional word of love. You, we love our friends. And James tells us, don't be friends with the world. Don't love the world. But... John doesn't tell us just don't love the world and leaves it, you know, well, what does that mean? What's the world? First uh, John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not from the, from the Father, but is from the world. There are the three things. You know, we think the temptations in the world, you could, they're innumerable. Actually, John does not number them. There's three of them. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we don't have time in this podcast to elaborate. Maybe that's a little homework for you. But this is what it's talking about. Friendship with these things. Friendship with the, the lust of the eyes, the, the insatiable craving for things that I don't have. The insatiable cravings of the flesh, the things that, uh, the appetites, and things that, you know, feed my pride ultimately these two feed the pride of life um, those are the things that i can be friendly with be emotionally invested i call this my friends money is my friend uh, pleasures that's my friend right there paul says be separate be separate. Do not get polluted by these things. And James says the same thing. And he uses the word world friendship. And James has already told us, you need a friend. You need to have a friend. We're, we're social beings. We're social cre- social creatures. And in a sense, yes, there are individuals that as a Christian, you would have to be very, very, very cautious to be friends, friends with. Most of my friends, once I became converted, I found it very difficult to be with my old friends, quote unquote, old friends. Because their language, their humor, their priorities, what they did on the weekends, no longer meshed with what I felt drawn towards. And it's, I'm not judging them because I was doing the same things with them, which made it even more awkward because they were like... Um, Who are you? (laughs) What are you trying to do? What is this new religion? You can't do this no more. You can't do that for them. You just became a bunch of can'ts. Whereas for me, I'm like, I just want to do other things. I want to do other things that now bring fulfillment and joy in my life. So I was just like them, unable to perceive the beauty of a different kind of friendship. In James chapter 2, verse 23, we read, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he, Abraham, was called the friend of God. You know, in in a very real sense, the Scriptures presents God as a true committed friend to every single human being. But friendship, by definition, is not a one-way street. In order for a true friendship to exist it has to be both ways and god had demonstrated for over almost a century to abraham i am your friend i am your defender i am on your side when you make mistakes and you got yourself entangled with things that you could never have gotten out of i will be your friend i will help you and eventually that caused within abraham a response a response of commitment, faithful, and surrender. Abraham invested himself emotionally with all that he had in God. And the Bible, not himself, the Bible says, that's a friend of God. The the Bible presents God as a friend to humanity. Jesus says, I have called you friends. Have you called me your friend? It has to be both ways. And so this idea of unity begins, again, in a very unexpected place. The, the, the union that we, need, we, we desire to experience within the church will only happen in my union with God in the context of friendship. But friendship, that is not our watered-down definition of a faint acquaintance or someone that I can like their picture you know every so often. There's a difference. And I think we know that. The reality is is that you and I, when it comes down to it, we have very few friends. No matter what Facebook or social media may say, you only have a very few amount of friends, if any. There, there were moments in my life where I recognized I don't have any earthly friends. But praise the Lord, by then I had discovered the one friend that has always been my friend, that has always been your friend. So this lesson begins with an invitation, a question, consecration. Are you set aside? Have you been set apart? Are you making a choice to not touch the things that pollute you? Because the things that pollute you define your friendship, your investment. If I enjoy these things that are pollution, I am, in essence, saying I am a friend of these things. And James says, if you do that, you are destroying yourself. Why not choose a better friend? A friend that will never betray you a friend that has power to save you, a friend that has always been committed to you. This is where our lesson begins in unity this week. And so I'm posing you the question, who is your friend, the world or Jesus?